Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Say goodbye to diluted creams and serums that are often made up of 70% water and 15% preservatives, leaving minimal space for the ingredients your skin craves. The scientists behind fiber skincare have spent 15 years perfecting nanofibers, which are 500 times smaller than human hair. And just one year ago, they patented a way of wrapping these nanofibers around oil or liquid-based ingredients. The result was a formula that delivers five times more active ingredients compared to creams or serums with no need for fillers like water preservatives or emulsifiers. The first formulation made with this technology is a plant-based anti-wrinkle set of patches that you use over seven days, applying them just like your favorite serums, your skin will feel tighter in 10 seconds and over seven days, the program is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles by 19.4%. In fact, they have a tighter skin guarantee where if your skin isn't tighter in seven days, they will give you your money back. No questions asked. Go to fiberskincare.com and use code unfiltered for 15% off. Did you ever feel like I'm done? Like, I don't want to do the was whatever. Was it ever too much for you? And what was your push through factor? Like what made you keep being like, no, I, I want, was it all sunshine and roses a hundred percent of the time? Or was it like, I'm done? No, most of the time I wanted to quit. Really? Oh yeah. I always thought that my life would begin when my sport career ended. Drop it like a hat. Drop it like a hat. Drop it like a hat. Natalie, what do I do? <laughs> I hope it's giddy giddy. Tessa Virtue is here on the podcast, and we're so excited. We've never met in person, but we've been fans from afar. Uh, she skated uh, into the hearts of people around the world when she became the youngest ice dance champion in Olympic history at the 2010 Games alongside her on-ice partner, Scott Moir. The winner of three Olympic gold medals five Olympic medals in total. She is the most decorated female figure 
skater in Olympic history. I remember when I learned what decorated meant. I was like, I don't understand why they're calling them decorated. And it's because they actually have the medals. So it's like By decoration. Way, I thought we'd started before. I didn't know we were restarting. I love it. I think we'll do both. We'll do both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I want to tell everybody all the amazing things about her until, sorry, we start getting into the details. She works closely with Fit Spirit, an organization whose mission is to raise public awareness around the declining participation in sport amongst preteen and teen girls. You have no idea this is such a hot topic right now in our world. Like it is happening in my life right now. And I just, I can't wait to share this podcast with every mother or parent of teens and preteen girls. Um, and you were the face of women's training at Adidas Canada and a longtime member of Special Olympics Canada Champion Networks. You were inducted into the Canada uh, Walk of Fame in 2018, named the Order of Canada in 2020, and received the Canadian Order of Sport Award, making your induction, her induction into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame 2023. You could just die now. That's enough. <laughs> I don't you. need to what do anything more. Thank you. That's so kind. <laughs> um, okay. We want to know about, because also a lot of the people we're talking to are moms and we all, we have seven of them. We want to know your Not seven moms. We have seven children. Children. Like that though. Um, love to know a little bit of the history around how old were you when you started skating? I started skating when I was six. Uh, my grade one class was going on a field trip. And in anticipation of that, I wanted to be able to skate. Mm. Uh, so <laughs> my grandma took me to some lessons and it was one of many activities. I was, I'm the youngest of four kids and I, 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 I mean this, I was the least athletic one and, but it was really important for my parents, both education and sport um, were main priorities and it was two boys, two girls. And so my mom especially wanted to make sure that my sister and I were not just dragged to the hockey rink or the baseball diamond and watching my brothers play. So she really took initiative to uh, expose us to all different kinds of sports. So skating was one of them, but my grandma took me to my first lesson and she said to Scott's aunt, um, who was my coach, my very first coach, she said, this is just the activity that Tessa does for fun. No competitions, no testing, we're not taking this seriously. This is just a little hobby. And um, <laughs> and then I met Scott not long after and started skating with him when I was seven. Pardon? You guys yeah. were seven? I was seven. He was nine. You guys are so cute. Uh, the, well, that is shocking that you were seven and he was nine because... I'm even thinking of a seven-year-old, like you must've been so mature. I, you were the fourth, so you probably were very well advanced, but even like the boy-girl dynamic when they're younger of, you know, like, wait, you're, you're touching a boy or you're talking yeah. to a boy or you're like, you skate with a boy. Like that would be, oh even God, I never thought I would have died to have to be in close contact with a boy. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have called us mature by any stretch of the imagination, but we didn't talk for the first probably year. We didn't say a word to each other. We just held hands and skated around the boards and um, just did our little compulsory dances. So I think it was probably comedic relief for everyone around us. <laughs> it's not like we showed this great potential, but, but I mean, he was a riot. He was so funny. He was, he had, he has always had just such a big personality and, and even then it really showed. And you know, while we didn't speak for about a year, it, it didn't take us long to figure out that we both liked competing and we both liked dancing. So I don't know when we started to take it seriously. Probably, you know, a, a year or two in, we started winning a couple of competitions and then we thought, oh, this is nice. What is seriously too, like when you say you take it seriously, because I, I, 
when you look at um, something, I, I don't know if you know, but when you have kids now, it's sort of like they enter a sport and it turns competitive very quickly. There's not really a stream. There is a stream, but it's sort of like your status now is what your your stream is. And you're kind of made a choice right away. And before you know it, you're in this massive competitive world where they're like in, on the in the dance studio, or on the rink, like, you know, four or five times a week very young when did did that was that it was like a slow burn for you guys or was it like okay let's 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 put go all in at this at eight years old yeah like how many times were you skating I uh, you know what probably two or three times a week I'm not sure but I want to say when I was around nine then we started our parents started driving us to Waterloo I was in London Ontario mm. so about an hour and I'm half an hour and 15, um, to work with different coaches. And so when they started doing that three or four times a week before school and before they all went to their jobs, it's funny. I asked my mom recently, I said like, why did you do that? That yeah. was insane. How did you do that? <clears throat> yeah. Um, so then probably when I was 10, 11, they would drop us off on Fridays. We would skate Friday night, Saturday morning, and then they'd come and pick us up on Sunday. Where did you sleep? Um, with coaches or a billet family, uh, or I had actually one of my best friends still, um, I started kind of spending the summers with her when I was nine and, um, staying with her family nearby. And then wow. we moved. No, you, you were really good. No, you were good. Like we're thinking about our nine-year-olds. They're such babies. They won't even go to <laughs> sleepover. Like, oh God, yeah. they well, need to grow up. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting. I think about that because when I was nine, um, I, I spent a summer at the National Ballet and part of that training is for the first two weeks, you're not allowed any contact with your family. So no letters, no phone calls. And it's such a test, right? Everything is just to see whether you uh, you have it in you. Um, and then they're throwing different things at you like, sew the ribbons on your point shoes. I had never, I, I mean, I still don't know how to sew, but it's like, you have to kind of figure it out. And um, it was so competitive. And I think that was like a way of weeding it out weeding the, you know, the, the talent out, but so maybe that experience when I was that young sort of set a precedent for a little bit of independence. And, um, I ended up moving away when I was 13, Scott was 15 and we, we went to school and, and lived with billets in, in Waterloo. So I, I guess I it was, it just, sort of, it just sort of snowballed. When you, when you said in the beginning that you wanted to get lessons before you were going on the class skating trip, I'm like, that is a definite personality because you wanted to know what you were doing before you got there, which I think a lot of kids wouldn't think about. So you had already thought, I want to know what I'm doing. So you, it's probably, you were probably very um, suited for did you, sport. Did you know in grade one that a lot of people already knew how to skate? You know, I'm not sure. Right. I don't know. I don't know that I would have had that context, but that's that's one of the reasons I like want the kids to ski so that when they have a ski day, that they're not those ones on the hill with the pizza and the jeans. See, that's me now at thirty-four. So that's (laughs) good skills. Skiing or skiing, there's not much in between. You can't (laughs) do both. You do one or the other. It's so true. It's so true. So, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you you're the one asking questions. I was we love this is just conversation. So don't okay. ever think that okay. we are like on a script. There's nothing. We just are like here to chat. That's, I, I that's, hope there was nothing off limits because now I have so many more questions. Oh, uh, I, I do want to get into like the tween. I want to get into that organization Ugh. and I mean tween and teen um girls, girls and sports and like I feel I we did a we have a group called the Common Parrot for Tweens and Teens and I was we did a newsletter on the reason most 
people get out of sport in the teen and tween world is because it becomes no fun anymore. And it becomes so high risk with no payoff. So they're having to compete and get yelled at, but there's nowhere they can go because there's no, there's no, like, there's not the opportunity to keep going. It's like, why am I going to come here? It's not fun. I'm not, I'm not enjoying myself and I'm getting yelled at and I can't get my schoolwork done. Like, what's the point of this? Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. And what are some of the like, like, you know, not numbers, but like stats around that? Because I'm thinking if you're, if you don't have a preteen yet or or you have a teen and you're going through it and you don't want your girls to have to quit, what is happening now with preteens and teens in sports? I think there are a few things. I mean, actually I'm thinking about your comment. It's so interesting in that for, for girls in sport, there are fewer avenues to go down. So you're right in that you're, choose, you're choosing most often much earlier than boys would ever need to um, because most sports for girls demand almost prepubescent bodies, right? Like it's it's odd yep. how we want the girls to stay so young and small and, and tiny, but you're, you're forced down a path so early. And then there aren't the different avenues of house league or fun or you know, options to, to just do something for the sake of it or to join a team. So um, that optionality might be part of it. I, I think the research shows um, that a lot of it comes down to um, being self-conscious and a, a sense of body image when you start comparing yourself. And I think social media hasn't helped. Um, there's a vulnerability that comes with, you know, putting on your equipment or leotard or something as your body is changing and, um a real lack of support around what that phase might look like and how that might feel. And probably, and I hope this is changing, probably just a lack of visibility as far as what could this be for me? How, what are, what could I um, do as a career or what, you know, what are the options for me out there as far as women's sport beyond 15? Um, Mm -hmm. but you're living and breathing it. And and you mentioned that you've, you're experiencing this right now. What else are you noticing? Uh, well, my eight-year-old did, did say to me, she kind of, cause she's now part, she has seen the PW, like she's seen the women's hockey. Cause I, I put it on like on purpose on the house. Cause if we're going to put on every male sport, we're going to put on whenever there's a woman's sport on. And she said to my husband, like, is where's the, where's the girls football? And he was like, there isn't one. And then it's like, you know, whenever now there's a sport, where's the girl? Where's like the girls golf, like the LGB and the, it's and like, even it's, in Canada, even to get like the, the WNBA, we don't yeah. even, we can't even get a lot of it like, like, on our channels. We don't get it. Like, so it's, it's interesting to hear from an eight-year-old's perspective who sees females in sport on my son's AAA hockey team. There's two female, like two girls on there who are um, playing with them. So she's seen it, but then when she sees it beyond, there's nothing there. So she's like, she's piecing it together without mm-hmm. me. Society is showing her. Um, that what she thought was everyone should be is like, she's like, why? And I'm like, it's like the Barbie movie. Oh my gosh. Like this is what happens. And yeah, but for, um, for my, I have a daughter who is just turned 15 and she's a dancer and, um, there is, she wants to be able to, uh, dance a lot. Her dancing means so much to her and she wants to be able, but she also wants to work to compete, but she's also, uh, a teenage girl with a lot of school on her plate a lot of social and it's like it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's a lot of room like Kat was saying before where it's not super competitive and committed or kind of just like for fun but you don't get to compete and as I'm watching this happen and I know that by the time you get to you know grade 11 and 12 there's less girls doing 
any sport. And um, I don't feel like there's enough space, uh, enough options for them to be able to do it all. And therefore they just, they quit. And then that's the worst because even just like the team, the exercise, the everything. And, and, you know, when you were saying the thing about the bodies is the, the, the girls in like um, skating and swim and dance, it's so amazing when they continue to do it as their body changes because they're so used to not having their clothes on. I've never, like yeah. I was never as comfortable in my body as I am, as, as my daughter is. And I'm thinking like hair, period. Like all of a sudden, yeah. all these girls just out there walking like they're naked. I'm like, if you could make, if you could, these girls can make it long enough to be able to do this and get to do it till the end of high school, at least. Like, what can we do to make this, this easier to do? Right. And not to mention a sense of purpose and mm -hmm. validation and sort of that cycle of trying new things, learning new technique or new skills, and then feeling really accomplished for having um, persevered. Like there are just so many nuanced elements of the incorporation of sport for young women. And you're right. If we could just keep them in it. Um, even a sense, yeah, even a sense of community, right? Yeah. A sense of community really. of how they, how they may feel like in a different area, because we know being, a, like, I think every parent listening is you have girls who, who definitely get into drama. And when you have another place to land, your mental health stays, um, you know, if you have different groups and different outlets to go and feel connected when maybe one community is, is having a harder time, you can go and feel like, Oh, I, I fit in somewhere and I'm not totally alone because teenagehood, the mental health is really bad right now. And we, we do need to make sure that we're keeping them in a community where they do feel like they belong and they have something that's more than just maybe the house and school that might be tumultuous. And I think that we are missing that link for these, these girls where they're expected to compete either at a super high level mm -hmm. and be amazing mm -hmm. and go nowhere with it, unfortunately, mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. drop out, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. you're so right. And I think one of, um, they, they used to say in, in the research that the, one of the protective factors um, is a sense of meaning, which is definitely important. Um, but actually the most important thing right now, and I, maybe this is a sign of the times, is um, a sense of mattering. And so belonging to that group and feeling like I matter to my teammate, I matter to my colleague, whatever that may be, um, especially in that formative you know, period of time, just feeling, as you say, you can kind of ebb and flow through different groups if you're not getting what you need from your school friends and you can go to dance or hockey or things like that. And um, feeling like that you're adding value and you're feeling valued. Okay. Did when Should we take a quick break? Okay. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. 
Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you've been following us, you know we are last minute planners when it comes to summer, except for this year. We even have one of our kids going to overnight camp for a month, a whole month. We're super excited for them, but we are getting anxious about not seeing them for that long. How will they cope? Will they make friends? Will they be homesick? We all have our own unique set of stressors varying in size and significance, yet when we hold on to them, they can gradually take a toll on our well-being. Fortunately, therapy provides a safe space where you can get things off your chest and find effective strategies to work through whatever is weighing you down. Therapy offers a place to discover strategies for stress reduction and balance in your life, helping you face life's challenges with new strength. Like when your tween goes to overnight camp for a month and you're trying to put on a brave face. If you are thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's completely online, designed for convenience, flexibility, and tailored to fit your schedule. Simply complete a short questionnaire to be matched with a licensed therapist, knowing you can switch therapists anytime at no extra cost. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Nat today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash Nat. How did you, um, how did your parents support you? Did you ever feel like I'm done? Like, I don't want to do the was whatever. Was it ever too much for you? And what was your push through factor? Like what made you keep being like, no, I, I want, was it all sunshine and roses a hundred percent of the time? Or was it like, I'm done? No, most of the time I wanted to quit. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> most of the time I didn't, I, I didn't love it. Um, I think Whoa. and every year, even in the early days, once we committed to the season together, the rule was sort of that we needed to see it through. Yes. And so every end of season meeting where our coaches would sit around and Scott's parents and my parents and, and the two of us, my parents were floored when I would say, oh, yeah, I want to keep going because <laughs> I think they would think, OK, this is it. This is it. And it was probably because it was coming off the high of, you know, the last competition when mm. you get to stay in a hotel and there's a pool and you get the tracksuit or whatever it is. Like those were the things that were keeping me in it. Totally. I love it. And and then, you know, as things got really hard in the teenage years and probably in the middle of our you know first two Olympic cycles. It was this sense of. I always thought that my life would begin when my sport career ended. Like I, it was, mm. I always knew it was going to be sort of like, oh, then I get to do all this other stuff that I want to do. But right now in, in those moments, I felt I had this like deep seated purpose and responsibility to Scott to accomplish everything we could and, and optimize our potential. So it was fairly pragmatic, which was good because Scott was so feeling based. Um, mm that I think that balance was really helpful. It was, I wanted to win and the Olympics meant a lot to me, you know, as soon as I got a taste of the games. Yeah. I wanted to know in that, um, because I know you got cut off, but uh, did Scott ever want to quit? Yes. Oh, yeah. you're going to say no. Did you both want to quit at the same time? I oh, think God. mostly that's what worked in our favors. Probably yeah. it was at different times. I'm sure he, you know, we were, we, we weren't exactly vocal about those 
those moments with one another because mm -hmm. I, I never wanted him to feel like I wasn't in it with him and probably vice versa. But I'm sure, he, I, you know, I know he had tough times and he often says even into the that lead up to 2018 was a real grind for him emotionally and mentally. So, you know, luckily, I guess that's the beauty of a partnership that we could really rely on each other when when we needed to. And, it, you know, that was something that we focused on and really worked on. Because I can't imagine if you were alone, like, because there are solo figure skaters who oh, do yeah, it would solo. never have ever lasted. <laughs> oh my gosh, that totally different. We're have not made it to the Olympics, but we always see a lot of like women start um, businesses and they find it really hard to continue. And they're like, you know, um, how did you guys do that? Like, so much of it is because we have this partnership. So, because both of us didn't want to quit at the same time. Yeah. That's really, that's why I asked the question. I'm like, if you both yeah. want to not quit at the same time, you can probably work through it. Mm -hmm. And that goes so far beyond just being friends. I mean, you said you're best friends, but that, I mean, your working relationship, you've really had to cultivate, you know, this, this code of sort of mm -hmm. principles and behaviors and things that are acceptable and how you support each other. That, that's such, such a beautiful thing. And it's cool to, to see two women thriving in that way. Mm -hmm. it, and it is, it is, it is unique. Yeah. And it was probably unique for you two, too, going all the way from you when you were seven years old, all the way up the one of the things, so many things, your talent, your practice, your commitment, all of that. But one of the things that made you guys exceptional was that, that Connection. special thing that, that, that not everybody, you can't recreate that. That's a magic that is so special that that's why other people don't make it. Cause they don't have that. Je ne sais quoi. <laughs> do you like what 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 you would have been young when the media wanted to put you guys in a relationship that you did not decide was a relationship like it was not what they said it was and like how do you navigate that as a female at a young age and they're like sexualizing what you're like kind of like I am like working my ass off I have done this for so like what they do to women is crazy and I just how did you handle that at your age with and like carry on when everyone is scrutinizing you for something that you're not even talking about. Yeah, I think, you know, there were elements of that that appeared gradually as I grew up in the sport. So, I mean, the very nature of the power imbalances with coaching, you know, how do you navigate that? What are the boundaries you put up? How do you communicate effectively? How do you um, know what feels right and what maybe feels uncomfortable? Um, I needed to be pretty aware of that from a young age, especially moving away from home. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You you use the term sexualized. And I think about a lot of the programs we did when I was really young and the costumes, you know, we were doing a blues, which is sultry and sexy or something that, you know, I wouldn't have had my period yet. Like it would have just been, you know, and you must feel that in dance too sometimes. Oh, like no, how do you my, keep oh, it wow. age just, appropriate? Oh my gosh. Even yeah, the makeup. Right. And I'm like, I don't, I dare like do this makeup. Like, I'm actually not they, doing that makeup. They look yeah. like little strippers yeah. sometimes yeah it's weird and and you look like a little adult out there and, yeah. and you're really young and so then the relationship question I mean part of that part of that came down to the fact that we couldn't explain it either I mean we weren't in a romantic relationship but it that partnership meant so much to us that we didn't have the vocabulary to articulate the deep level of care that we shared for one another Mm, and so nice. when you're standing next to someone in an interview and someone says, and are you in a relationship or why not? I mean, the last thing one of us wanted to do to the other was say, oh, hell no. Like, that's not my, yeah. you know, that's not my type. Right. But for him to say, oh, no, that's, you know, we're not going there. Like, that would have been so rude. And so I think we were delicately trying to, you know, figure out how we tell these love stories on the ice and how we come together as best friends 
most of the time and, um, you know, really highlight and cherish and hold, hold tightly onto this partnership and also be really honest and candid. And I think for a lot of that, we just quite simply didn't have the context or the perspective of the wherewithal to actually understand how special that bond was. Mm. And I, and I, I'm going to assume that so many people that were questioning it or want it to be something else because in their life, they've never experienced a relationship like that. So they just can't possibly understand how it could just be what it was. Yeah. You want to categorize stuff, right? You want to put it into some box that makes sense in your schemas. Um, and I don't, you know, we never blamed people that, but that also meant that we were doing our job and that was, you know, very kind. Aren't you glad social media wasn't what it was today when you were doing this and growing? Aren't you so glad? So glad. I, I think that would have been horrific and I feel for young girls now. I mean, you're seeing that, um, I'm sure with your daughters, but Mm -hmm. I cannot fathom what that would be like. I think it's more even that everything, your world, what used to be like a a dance school is now a hundred thousand dance schools because you compare not only just to the person beside you, but now you have, sorry, she, um, she is, you have a baby too. This is, yes, here, she's, um, (laughs) this is Bo, she like, she's. Oh, she, loves into the frame. she loves if she loves to snuggle. She's trying to just get a little hug in and she just needs. Um, Where um, are you right now, Tessa? Are I'm you at home? Toronto. Yeah, I'm in Toronto. Where's your puppy? Um, I've been traveling a bunch. So she's with my mom. Uh, oh, nice. And my mom just recently adopted her brother. So it's kind of nice when they can be together. I'm dying though right now. This is it, so sweet. It's outrageous. It's she, outrageous. She, she is uh, like, a, she's a therapy dog without there, like without, yeah. she needs it, not me. It got like wrong. And so she just never got, like she never got trained, but she's from a therapy line of dogs and she needs to constantly touch okay. my children or somebody. There's no. It doesn't often really matter who it is. Who? Really. She just needs, <laughs> she's not discerning she about loves, that. That's, so, that's, that's my mom's dog. He's a little therapy dog. And Zoe, our dog, is not affectionate whatsoever. So it's really nice when he's around. Oh, Tessa, when, um, uh, you obviously growing up in such a competitive sport, you're, you had your parents, you had Scott's parents, but you saw other parents too. Is there anything that you could like tell a parent who is, has a kid that's in potential well, competitive sports about some very basic right ways parents can behave support, and some very support. support and then some very wrong ways that you saw in the end, like did not like it, it, it was really bad for the athlete or the child. Yeah. I feel, oh my gosh, I'm having all these flashbacks to mm. being in Michigan and there was a, um, a large sort of population of skaters there that were homeschooled from young ages for the sake of skating. So they lived at the rink. Um, not often skaters that ended up going anywhere, but just with really intense, intense, intense parents. And where on one hand, I would have my mom, t- you know, having these very candid conversations about if you ever feel uncomfortable in a lesson, if, if you know, someone is, you know, showing, demonstrating a move and it doesn't feel right when they're touching you, like, you know, just let's talk about that and really open the door for those conversations. So I was conscious and aware of it. There were these mothers who would say, you know, pull down your shirt a little bit and off you go, try and get some more attention to their 14 year old daughters. And I just remember feeling sick about that even even then. And so I think first things first, we need to protect our kids from 
um, you know, un like really understanding what a safe sport environment means. Not that that's incumbent upon the child to navigate, but it certainly helps when that's what's in your control. Um, you know what, I think Scott and I were both very lucky and I'm so impressed by his parents because his mom is a skating coach. And so they both gave us so much space and autonomy from the time I was really young, it sort of was this unwritten rule in my household that we wouldn't talk about skating unless I brought it up. So it was, you know, sorry, it, it, that, that, that's, that's, that's an interesting thing right there. Yeah. That's an interesting think, thing for every parent of kid with sports. It, unless your kid is less verbal and needs, like sometimes maybe. they'll say something and you're like, let's talk about it. Right. So yeah. it your on. mom knew you, but that, yeah. that is, that is interesting. And you know, just, I'm going to let you continue, but also for the other kids in the room that we're not yes. only focusing yes. on that one kid sport because they're, they're being the most mm -hmm. competitive or the most successful. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was important, you know, to talk about my schooling or my hobbies or my friends, mm -hmm. like it wasn't just that I was tested a skater. And so that gave me a, a sense of responsibility and ownership of skating that felt like, you know, my, my mom was not watching practices. Like she wasn't, you know, maybe in the early, early days, but then she wasn't coming to the rink when I was a teenager and sitting in the stands. And um, mm. she, she really just reserved that unconditional support for, you know, I'm here when you need me. And she always gave me the out. Like she always said, you don't have to do this. Even as I was flying to the Olympics, she was like, you know, you don't have to do this. Wow. If you don't. Which was she so was, lovely. <laughs> she was perfect. When you say your mom wasn't there sitting, watching your practice, there were parents yes. sitting, watching. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Especially in the States. I don't know quite what it is here, but I mean, at that point we were old enough, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. We were, yeah, we, we didn't need you that. You didn't need them there. I think, and also when we were at competitions, I've been reflecting on this a lot lately. They made sure that they had their own experience at the competition. I'm thinking about the Olympics, for example, when there's just so much pressure and they weren't, you know, we, we kind of had these rules of, um, I had one, you know, contact person in the family and that was my mom and she wouldn't reach out until I reached out to her. And, you know, I didn't have to worry about tickets. I didn't have to worry about, oh, are they having fun? Like, do they need, uh, are, do I, mm. where are they sitting in the stands? Like, I just knew that was dealt with and I got to focus on my job. And it sounds so simple, no, but we need that, 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 we need that advice. We need that advice when we have a show <laughs> and the, everyone's calling us and texting. I'm like, I am trying to get ready and entertain 1200 yes. people. Can you please figure it out? Like, I am not right. your host. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think there was just this real separation of, Skating didn't define me. It, it wasn't, you know, my identity. And that there also wasn't this pressure of like reflected glory, you know, like, you know, mm -hmm. I need you to skate so that I can look around with my chest puffed out around mm -hmm. the rink. Like it just wasn't that way at all for either sets of parents. And wow. I'm so thankful for that. That's great. It's really, it's really, you really had a good experience because I would think that a lot of competitive athletes don't look back and, and see that about their parents because so many of the parents, they're kind of living by, you know, a little bit vicariously. And when their kid wins, they feel like they win. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And wow. Your mom was really advanced. Did she have any experience with sport to like know how to do this so well? She had four kids. She was too busy. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. And I mean, she was, a she worked her whole life. She was this independent, strong woman. And, um, oh, okay. I think maybe just really in tune with 
probably what what I needed. Wow. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Like I love talking to you. You're, it's like you're so it's so it's so insightful to hear mm-hmm. from another perspective because it is really unique how everyone does this um, competitive sport differently and how they experience it and what their family did to support them. Did you um, like in terms of looking back? Did you have a ton of fun growing up? Like, did you did you do you think you did did fun or do you ever think uh, like was it was was life fun like so much fun? That's what I always worry about with the competitive well, yeah. side. Like, what a great you- question. Yeah, what a great question. And I don't mean to paint my experience, you know, growing up in sport as as all rosy because it certainly wasn't. Um, there was a lot of sacrifice. And I think I was making, I convinced myself I was making conscious choices, but they were serious sacrifices. Mm-hmm. Um, no parties, no proms, no movies, no, you know, Saturday night, like hangouts at the mall. No, which meant that I missed out on a lot of that kind of social side of things. And it suited me because I was this little adult (laughs) as Mm -hmm. I was like eight, I was like budgeting for my groceries and, you know, figuring things out. And my best friends were 30 at the time. Like it was really weird, but (laughs) um, it it suited my personality as a perfectionist, as a people pleaser, as a competitive Mm. human. Um, but I do think I sacrificed a lot of fun in those, like, I think I sacrificed a lot of childlike, you know, Mm -hmm. experiences. Um, and you can make the argument that I got to travel and I got to, you know, be on team Canada and, you know, do all these things, but it was very isolating and really lonely and in a sport that is individual. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was Scott, the by and large individual, um, very competitive. So my friend group was not in skating. It couldn't be. Um, yeah. and when I thought it was, then I got burned really badly several times. So the bullying oh, wow. and the, and I think it just brings out the worst of people, the worst of young girls when, and the worst of parents, because often they're and hearing the worst of parents. Yeah. You hear parent, you know, when a kid's talking, that's the parent often, it's not often the kid, it's the direct 
result of an adult talking about the other kids, which is horrific to me. But yes, we hear it even in hockey, right? Like Um, when they begin to talk about other, I'm like, no, you never talk about other kids in front of your kids. Like it's just a rule you do not do. Yeah. Even if you have an opinion on it, you leave it alone, you know? Good point. I'm dying um, of your dog right now. Sorry. Oh, no. I know. It's, it's, she is. You need a cuddle. Come on over. She should be happy she's to have you. literally sound asleep in a baby's position. It's like so she's gorgeous. got her. Like it is really. She is. No, I, she's newly groomed. So she smells good. And she's she really literally, soft. Her eyes are literally closed. Like sound asleep. Not normal. Sound um, Tessa. So uh, once you retire from hockey. What, no, not hockey. <laughs> fucking fuck um now you get to watch hockey all the time with your fiance um uh what by the way you're a way better skater than him because my husband was a hockey player and he tells me um if you want to learn how to skate really well go to a figure skater because they are the best universally skaters in every hockey player should be taking i just watched a tiktok of um someone asking your fiance i'm sure you've seen it maybe it's an interview that's everywhere but if it's on tiktok it's new to me of saying who would who would win skating like you would. she would but now he's like now that she's retired i don't know if i could catch up <laughs> that's on true her. that's true he's definitely faster yeah faster. oh okay I um think. uh so now that you're retired not hockey player thank god um skater what what it, what did you like what does one do once they're a retired athlete it's a good question i, mean, I know but you tell us <laughs> well yeah i think you know and um that Retirement from amateur sport is, I think, a life transition in any capacity that is so drastic is hard. And and everyone can relate to that on some level. Leaving amateur sport is particularly hard for most athletes because so often you've had to give up um, education in order to pursue your sport. You So you're a little bit behind your peers as far as, you know, if you're looking to start a career, um, there's very little funding, very little opportunity to um, sort of commercialize any success you might've had. And and for all of those reasons, I feel so lucky to have been a figure skater because, you know, skating in Canada is pretty popular. Our faces are seen at the Olympics. We're not, you know, hidden underneath helmets and right. things like that. Um, it's a storyline that people gravitate to. I think we also competed in a time when the Olympics and sport was highlighted differently. Things are just, we're in a very weird space right now uh mm-hmm. with sport and politics and how that all the interplay of that um so i say that because it was still incredibly hard and i got to leave the sport on my own terms having accomplished what i wanted to i had opportunities with sponsors and and performing in shows and you know i'm sure bobsledders or speed skaters could you know just wish that they could do a a, a tour of them performing and and earn a living right. um, so lucky that we got to do that so scott and i produced two tours across Canada when we retired, which was one of the most challenging things we've ever done, but it was fun to sort of be on the other side of that and be in control creatively and artistically of, of how a show could come to life. And, and then we retired in the fall of 2019, um, which felt really kind of organic and natural and good for us. We, we wanted to sort of leave the sport on a high and, and not bitter and, and still feeling sort of proud of our material. And then, um, I knew that I would launch into school. I just knew that I would do uh, the MBA. Oh, well, I thought about law school, but the MBA sort of made sense right on the heels of retirement. It was a short-term goal. It was something that I could tackle. Um, I think I wanted to prove something to myself academically. 
and also just get some credibility. I signed on with Deloitte as an executive advisor in 2020. And um, so to, to do that sort of school and work process concurrently was really effective. And then I just kept going with school. I did another program in positive psychology. And um, I saw that. I, which was so I, interesting. I did a course because I was a social worker. I decided to get a side course at one of like the universities that you can do. You know, you just pay for like the course. Like you don't get accredited. But I was like, it's so good. It's great. It's such yeah. a good perspective. Yeah, I feel like it, it sort of enmeshed my lived experience and all of the work that I had done with experts in sports psych and mental performance and things like that with this academic grounding of data and research, um, which now in my work with Deloitte, um, as I think about high performers and I, I you know, work with executives and, and companies in Canada to, to help kind of unlock and optimize their potential, um, it's it's been really nice to have that academic background. And I, and I mm -hmm. loved it. It was this constant dopamine hit of, oh no, I don't think I can do it. So, oh yes, I did it. Yes, it's kind of like skating. And, um, mm. and then this, so it's this constant cycle of, um, you know, that anxiety and stress and then actually executing. And so that felt familiar. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been quite busy, but purposefully so. And I think kind of nice to, to try new things and, um, learn new skills. So you're full-time at Deloitte. Yes. Full-time job. And when you say you've been traveling a lot, is that for Deloitte? Um, yeah, I, I feel like I have a few different hats that I wear. Um, some with like with brand partners that I've been so fortunate to, you know, work with amazing partners. Um, I'm doing a lot more speaking and keynote stuff, which is really fun also, um, and performative in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, there's like this little entrepreneurial hat that is hopefully more is happening under, under that kind of bucket. And then, and then the delight work. So it all sort of seamlessly integrates um, but it's, um, it's a lot of juggling as well, which I, I know you both know well. Yeah. It makes um, it fun. Not boring. I have yeah. one last question for you and then we're going to let you go because you have been so generous with your time and I can't believe how much you have going on. Do you, or don't you keep your, um, skating outfits from when you were younger <laughs> to now? Because I have a million dance outfits that I cannot keep in my house because it I just, I'm like, thank God, 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 do you have them all or no? And they're so freaking expensive. Anyways, they're so expensive. Note. There's not really an aftermarket for them, is there? No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm need... not mad about it. I'm very <laughs> mad about it. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. Um, I've kept a lot of, I've, I've kept a lot of them. Um, okay. At my mom's house. But Lucky they're mom. all kind of like hung up on, on racks. And um, it, it really is a time capsule of sorts to yeah. go through and look at them. And, and everyone carries such memories and meaning and, um, you know, it takes me right back to what I might've been feeling good or bad in, in those moments. Fine. I'll get a bigger house and I'll just put her dance costumes from each, like her 10 dances a year and throw them like, you know, it's so, it's she, she, lo she sees it. She's like, I love this one. I love this one. I'm like, oh. I know you love them all. I know. Yeah. Give it, give it to your mom. I like to give special things to my mom to hold on to so that they don't like get thrown out. Okay. I'll just throw them out. I'm going to start keeping them. <laughs> I like this. Are your, um, do your siblings, oh wait, my, did they live in Toronto? Do, do you have family near you? My sister lives in Toronto. And then both my brothers, um, who each have a daughter, live in London, Ontario. So not far. Is it boy? Did it go boy, boy, girl, girl? Yes. 
Hey, she got two of each. I yeah. also want to let you know you made me feel really good because when my son had a hockey tournament in Buffalo, uh, I took the girls and we went to like a five-star hotel. I found one while they all stayed at the hockey hotel and we went to the game and the girls and I then went out for dinner. And went You had the... your own experience. Yeah, we had our own yes, experience. I love that. I felt a bit bad, but I'm like, I'm not going, we're not going to go hang out with a bunch of like, oh no, we're going to go. Those hotels are gross. We're going to go to Target and live it up. Oh my gosh. That's everyone's like, everyone's like, Kat's going to Buffalo. There's no, there's no nice hotels in Buffalo. I'm like, she found one. Yeah. Yeah. Girls and I had a great time. I was like, can we go again? And I'm like, for sure. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for your time. We could talk to you forever. We have so many questions, but it's also so nice um, as a parent who have kids in sports, um, hearing that it can be a lovely experience. And I mean, you just have so much insight. I feel like listening to anyone listening to you speak um, would just be so also, also, it sounds like you smile when you talk. So you sound really nice and calm and lovely as well. Oh, you're just everything you. good. And if, if we can, su- if we can support um, what you're doing with the work of uh, for teens and tween girls, please let us know. We'd be more than happy to do whatever we can to get that word out and support in any way possible. Thank you. And likewise, you have mm-hmm. so many incredible projects on the go. And um, I just, I love watching and I love supporting. Now we need to make this happen in person. Yes. Yeah. And you'll have to take us in your cool car because we have the Buick Avenir, which is really a great car. And we can fit a lot of people in it, but I want to see like the, the, the small one that you can drive just with yourself. It sounds lovely. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll enjoy that for, for a while. And if we go shopping, we'll take, when we go to Target, we'll go. We'll exactly. Take I love it. Yeah. That's a great idea. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much. Okay, perfect. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.